Welcome back to the African Defence Review podcast. I'm Richard Stupart, and today we return our attention to the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo, where the Force Intervention Brigade saw action against M23 rebels during the course of the week. This marks the first action for the UN's offensive force, and to find out more about the situation on the ground, we will be talking to Joseph K, currently stationed in Goma. Good evening, Joe, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be back on. Um, so it sounds as if things have changed a great deal in Goma over the last week or so. Um, can you maybe just give us a quick rundown as to what's been happening? Quick rundown over the last week. Um, so the intervention brigade um, has engaged for the first time um, this week, uh, which actually I guess the major change, especially considering what we were talking about last time, um, is the opinion towards the UN. Um, and I think the Intervention Brigade has changed dramatically popular opinion. Um, today, there are scenes of kids uh, cheering Monusco, people, adults cheering Monusco, uh, armored personnel carriers going past, heading up towards the front lines. Uh, in, in town, people are, people are cheering uh, uh, water trucks of, um, of, of the uh, FIB, uh, which have been distributing water to uh, the population in areas affected closest, closest to the fighting, as well as providing support that they have already provided in the past um, to, uh, to, to, to the FARDC. Uh, so there's been a complete change in the popular opinion, I think, of, of the Monusco after they engaged um, with with the M23 rebels uh, to date on Wednesday, first uh, thing in the morning. I think, I think that's been, that's been sort of the, biggest, the biggest change that I've seen, and it's been very dramatic because on Saturday, last Saturday, uh, the 24th, um, after, after several shells uh, fell in, in Goma on civilian on, on, on normal houses, killing and injuring many, many civilians. People took to the streets on Saturday, on Saturday morning to protest against the lack of security. So far, before that point in, in the fighting, uh, in the recent, the recent flare-up in the fighting, um, there had, the, the population of Goma had not been sort of brought into it. I and mean, there, there were displaced people from um, from up in Kenya, Virginia, and up towards the area where the fighting was, and there were many, there were many families displaced from that. But the war hadn't sort of come to Goma, um, and shelling created panic. So the people took to the streets, and the target of a lot of this frustration and panic and anger um, was the UN, who they saw as failing to protect Goma, especially with people having an idea about uh, the fact that the mandate had changed and that the intervention brigade were deploying um, in Goma, um, meant that the, the frustration was taken out on, on Monusco. And indeed, that Monusco base here in Goma was uh, stormed um, by a large group of people carrying um, stones, rocks and, and, and sticks. Uh, and during this event, uh, I think it was two um, civilians lost their lives. Um, the UN has launched an investigation into exactly what happened. Um, there are reports of shots being fired, um, but it's, it's completely unclear at the moment until the results of the, of the UN uh, investigation, whether it was 
um, possibly, you know, the crowd um, crush, crushing people, or whether it was shots fired by UN forces, or whether it was shots fired by um, national security forces. It, it's not clear. But uh, we've gone from that to that Saturday, where the UN were incredibly unpopular, um, to a week later, uh, just under a week later, when UN personal areas and um, and Belgians are being cheered by the local population. I think that would be the biggest development um, that I've seen in, in the past sort of week or so. And in terms of the fighting that's now recently happened between the Force Intervention Brigade uh, along with the FADC and MONUSCO, what has the FIP's role been in, in the recent clash? In the recent clash, so on Wednesday night, um, it appears that the M23 launched mortars um, into uh, FODC positions. And this led to the FODC responding. Uh, uh, in the past, the UN has engaged, uh, Monusco has engaged um, to protect Kerma. Uh, um, so I don't know whose forces that might have been, um, but there was all shelling of entering positions from helicopters last um, Friday, and the Force Intervention Brigade last uh, last Thursday, or was it last Friday? Uh, last I think it was last Thursday. Uh, fired 50 mortars during the day on M23 positions also. Um, so the UN has been engaged for a while. Um, I think the big difference was that the Force Intervention Brigade put people on the ground um, a couple of days ago, which uh, which really up the empty um, with uh, with armament personnel carriers, with uh, sort of small, um, I, don't, I don't know, part of the military tank yeah. the sort of big, big guns with um, shells uh, and, and monster fire. And last time when we chatted, uh, the UN head, Monasco, had just announced the establishment of a security zone around Goma. What has the situation been with that? Has there been, a, in effect, an improvement in the security in that demarcated area? Um, I think I'd, I'd say that there hasn't really been a change. I mean, one of the big outcries was that this area um, was behind FARDC lines, uh, so it was always within a sort of an officially government-controlled area. Um, and I think looking back on it, what it probably did serve as um, was a an area that. Um, the message was sent to M23, you know, you come within this area, uh, or bombs fall within this area, which they have done, uh, and Monusco will engage, or the, the, the intervention brigade will definitely up, um, up, up their involvement, um, which, which is what has happened. Um, but the, in terms of, of the security order, um, it, it, things have been, it's been safe within the border. Um, since then it was set up, apart from shelling that landed on Goma and sparked uh, protests and, and panic. 
And it was an announcement, I think, from M23 sometime later today that they were going to pull back from uh, their lines outside of Goma. Has it, have you heard anything like that? Um, it sounds, um, I mean, I've not, I've not confirmed this with any resources, but it does sound like um, there is a, a withdrawal going on. That said, this afternoon, um, around 4.30 p.m., and I'm not sure exactly when this announcement was made by the M23, uh, but around 4.30 p.m., I was still shelling the yard um, up by near, sort of near kilometers away, but sort of within the direction of, uh, of the front. And more generally, has there been anything interesting else that you've noticed that you think is worth mentioning? Um, anything else that, I mean, what, what, what has struck me, which I've, which I've already mentioned, is the, is the populist, or what seems to be popular support from UNESCO. One of the other things that we talked about last time uh, is the popular support for the FARDC, um, which, which has increased. I mean, this is a, a force that has proven, um, has proven itself and has, in the eyes of, of people in Goma, um, been able to, to protect them um, to some extent. Uh, well, now, hopefully, with the, with the ceasefire, to, to a great extent, from um, from bombs falling on civilians in in in, in a city, which did spark absolute uh, absolute panic. Uh, well, relative relatively uh, bad panic, um, and. One of the awful things that happened during this was the people within the sort of some of the neighbourhoods <clears throat> that were bombed uh, would not want to spend the night the night in, in the houses, um, and there are a lot of reports of looting that occurred in these houses that were left empty and that people had people had run away from from out of out of fear. Um, so hopefully that whole atmosphere in in Goma will now start to change. Is there any clear indication of what the next move will be from the FADC or uh, the FIB Monusco, or will they likely just kind of hold and see what M23 is doing? Um, it is very easy to say, uh, very, sorry, very easy, very early um, to say. Uh, the, there is pressure, popular pressure also on Monusco, which which was which which was which happened, uh, came came out, um, was suddenly emphasised after the announcements of the security cordon. There were plenty of people who were saying, "Well, you know, the M23, very well, um, they're not within your security cordon, so so that that's a, that was an issue as well." But otherwise, people saying, "Well, there are lots of other groups," um, and so one of the intervention brigades' challenges might well be now. Uh, to show that they are, in fact, going to engage many, many rebel groups, um, and not just the the M twenty three, which was the, which which was threatening going at the moment. So, not to to avoid having people in other areas of um, of the DSC that are experiencing insecurity due to due to rebel elements, from feeling like the international community has. Has protected Goma, the capital, only, um, and, and is not going to be protecting protecting them in in more rural, more remote areas. And who do you think would be 
the most likely candidates if they were to pick another target to confront? Um, again, very difficult to say. Politically, um, the FDLR would be an obvious sort of front runner um, in order to maintain uh, that there is no sort of partisan um, intent behind behind the Monusco, uh, behind sorry, behind the, the intervention brigade. Uh, it might. I mean, one of the one of the things, one of the complaints of the MPLF, and one of their reasons or official reasons that they've always said they exist, is to combat the FDLR and um, and it's um, the FDLR made up of, uh, of, of certainly several former GRC there um, and active within parts of, of Eastern DRC. So. That, that politically might be the one that, uh, that makes sense following on from the, the M23. You've uh, travelled as part of your reporting to uh, areas behind the M23 lines. Can you maybe talk a little about uh, what you found there? Certainly. Um, I've, I've been twice now to meet once with the, uh, with the president of the movement, Bertrand Simula, uh, the political president of, of the movement and uh, and both times I've met also with the uh, N23 spokesperson, Colonel Kazabrama. Um, my impressions behind the lines on sort of going, driving up towards, uh, towards Bunyagana, which is on the Ugandan border, um, my initial impression was we, well, we came across a group of people sorting out the, the road, repairing the road in uniforms. When we went through uh, road road barriers, they all seemed very organized um, and well run. Um, and my impression was that possibly this might be the kind of place um, that the rhetoric of the M23, certainly, of justice, of equality, um, they, they um, talk often about um, the disputed elections in 2011. Um, and generally appear to be motivated by some sort of ideology when they speak to the media or in the, the rhetoric and propaganda that goes out. And I was willing to believe that maybe some of this was actually reflected in the reality of life behind the rebel lines. Um, and certainly seeing roads being repaired and everything being organised added to that. Um, Slowly during during the trips, I uh, got a different impression. Um, it seems that soldiers um, and and different elements, police as well, behind behind the lines, um, the population report that the police and the soldiers are not well paid, if able to, um, and that they therefore prey on the local population. Um, and road, road barriers are set up, and this is a very um, common practice in rebel groups controlling arteries um, and controlling taxation from from the roads, from the uh, from the traffic on the roads. Um, but further to this, they there were, there were many reports of looting um, on 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 the on part of of M23 soldiers, and. Um, Nightly looting, in fact, in, in one of the in one of the cities, 
I witnessed this uh, over the night that I was there. There was heavy shooting during the night, and in the morning there were um, there were the bodies of three alleged bandits um, that the N23 presented, uh, claiming that they had been keeping security in the town and that these were bandits who had been robbing. Uh, speaking to people later that day, it transpired and it seemed people believed that these may well have been prisoners who had been released and then forced to steal for the soldiers that released them and then shot in the street um, in an attempt, well, for the, for the M23 soldiers forcing them to do it, to have the looted goods for the sort of larger, the larger um, displaying the bodies the next morning in order to reassure the population or show the population that the M23 was in fact keeping order. Um, these reports are very, are very disturbing and they, there were many people that we spoke to claimed, claimed similar things. Um, obviously impossible to say whether these were in fact uh, prisoners or not, but certainly the impression of the population is that that was what had happened and people referred to chasse alone, manhunt, as the way in which they had been hunted down, as the way in which the, the, the public believed um, they had been hunted down during, during the night. Um, in addition to the taxes on roads in N23 area, there is a tax on the civilians whereby every individual over the age of 18 has to pay um, the what, 700 francs, which is about 80 US cents every three months against a receipt with which they, they have to, to walk around, they have to always have on them. Um, and then businesses and small businesses are also taxed, taxed at the rate of three dollars um, for every three months. Uh, now these taxes, people people really felt the, the pressure of these of these different taxes within within the rebel held uh, area because their claim is that money uh, is, is does not circulate very very well within within the area because people are not able or were not able. The events of today may well change quite a lot of this. But people were not able to to travel to Goma uh, to go to the banks to take money out, or they were scared to travel to other towns in order to sell produce in the market. Um, so th there were a good a good deal of complaints um, from the population, and the events that certainly I witnessed on on Saturday night uh, seemed to suggest whether it was the M23 or not who actually committed the, the robbery and, and the shooting at night, there is still certainly an atmosphere of insecurity within, within that town, or there was, um, to uh, th three or four weeks ago. Do you, did you get the impression that there would be support for M23 to be pushed out of the area and have it restored back to um, control of uh, the sort of central government and far DC? The, the, the answer is, it's certainly yes, there was support for the M23 to be pushed out of the area. There were many people that I spoke to who who were very who were very happy to to speak to to a reporter 
because they wanted the message to get out. Um, and they, they were worried that people didn't know, people didn't understand what, what they reported, um, at least what, what they reported their, their lives to be under what they described as an occupation. On the other hand, um, it wasn't, uh, it was, I mean, it was a very, so it was a very practical, it was a very practical, um, a, a, very, a very practical reason for not wanting the M23 to be there, which was that the population was experiencing, um, was experiencing insecurity. But I did have people telling me that actually it didn't much matter to them who was in charge as long as there was security and they were able to go along to go to go about their businesses. So it wasn't necessarily an ideological stance against it. It was just given the reality of what they claimed they were living. Um, they wanted they wanted the M twenty three out. And how easy has it been for you, but I mean more generally for goods and supplies for these sorts of groups, I mean businesses and things in the area to move between, say, Goma or other major cities that aren't M23 occupied, or are they, they fairly cut off? Well, the front line has been um, only, a, only a couple of kilometers north of Goma um, on the main road that goes up to the north. So on the main road that runs to major borders, uh, major trading borders with Uganda um, and others, with with Rwanda less less major than less less big uh, or important than than Goma, um, and so produce hasn't been travelling that much, uh, except during the lull. It was about more or less a month. Um, Spell where there was where the armies faced off, um, the FLDC and the M23 were very very close to each other. The lines were drawn, and there was no fighting, uh, or there were minor skirmishes, but nothing nothing major. Throughout a month during that time, traffic did start to move again, um, not to the extent that uh, that it would normally in, in complete peacetime. Speaking to the M23, um, the spokesman for the, the military spokesperson um, claimed that this was because people did not want to travel through the Ugandan border into M23 territory to carry on to Goma because they feared taxes being levied by the FARDC after they exited M23 territory. Um, the government, on the other hand, claimed that the border was closed um, officially, uh, so that so that the trucks could not pass through. Um, and the FARDC, of course, claims uh, that there are no taxes um, raised on there at, at their barriers on the way on the way into Germany. Um So yes, traffic has certainly been affected. And that's it for this episode of the African Defense Review. To follow the series or to read further coverage of the unfolding situation in the DRC, you can find us online at africandefense.net. And as always, we'd love to hear your feedback on the show. Good night.